things are not great. They are blue. Mm. They said we couldn't be here. Look nervous. Back to your Blues Hockey Podcast, your host Jason, along with Chris. Yo, all right, and uh, we are back. Not finished with the series like last time. We're gonna, no. we're going to uh, keep coming at you uh, weekly since the Blues in the playoffs, and for the most part, doing well. Two and two, the series uh, had a chance to make it three one last night and kind of crap the bed. I guess I you would could say, say. So. yes, yeah. So, and uh, a real quick mention, uh, if you notice the intro was a smidgen longer uh, this time. That was an uh, awesome edit that the guys from Brook Royal did for Bleed Blue, and they were gracious enough to let us use it. So thanks to the guys, all the guys in Brook Royal for uh, yep. letting us use that. So you'll see at the beginning and the end of the podcast, a little di- different edit for our uh, ending and beginning and ending. So I always, really dig, cool, really I cool always dig when songs uh, interlude with uh, – loops of highlights and things like that. The one that always comes to mind and I, I wish I had was I know, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're going to say. So when I, when I worked at the point, we did an edit of the Foo Fighters, my hero with mm-hmm. a ton of Brett Hall highlights. Yeah, uh, and I would kill to have a copy of that. And I actually know the guy who made it. And he said that somewhere in his basement, he's got CD after CD after CD of his production and that he's probably got it somewhere. And I was like, well, if you ever find it, I want a copy of that. Oh yeah, I remember waiting to hear that on the uh, point back in the day, and then maybe, just maybe, Chris, maybe I heard you play it one time. You never know. Possibly, you never know. Yeah. I, I yeah. played it any chance I had. I played it. Yeah, so I, I remember waiting, and then actually, like maybe dating myself a smidgen here, but waiting by the uh, radio with your cassette in your uh, stereo, your oh, boom yeah. box, and then yeah. ready to hit the two buttons down real quick so you can record off the radio so you had it when you couldn't and you can play it whenever you want and stuff. Yep. So good times there. So once again, thanks to those guys. Uh, all, a, awesome edit, and B, uh, let's use it. So Blues and Dallas Stars. T- series is tied 2-2. Two to two. Uh, yes. There's been peaks and valleys so far, I guess you could say. Yeah, I would say so. It's uh, Again, just like the Winnipeg series, this seems to be a very evenly matched series. And it's one of those things where, and not, this is me not taking away from anything from Dallas because I think they're a really good team. I just, I just think on paper, Winnipeg was so much better, and you think you should be able to kind of match up better. I think some people are hurt. We'll talk about that as we go yeah. along. Well, and also let's let's give credit where it's, where it's due. Dallas mm-hmm. is hot right now. Dallas took down uh, the Predators in six as well, and that was a team. Oh, I'm sorry, it was six or seven. Six. Six. And that was a team that, much like Winnipeg, was a sexy pick to win the Cup. And uh, and Dallas did a really good job with them. So, yeah. you know, uh, you're right. On paper, I think the Blues should win this series. I still think they will, but it's it's not going to be a cakewalk. 
Yeah. Um, I think our initial picks, unfortunately, Chris was a smidgen off right now. Chris had said I picked us at five. Uh, I said six, so my prediction is still alive. Yep. Um, potentially, hopefully. Uh, I can wrap it up in six. I, I, got a, I got this weird gut feeling right now that it's going seven. I don't know. Something in my it, gut. It very well easily could. It, it quite easily could. Yeah. So um, it could be over in six, though, too. I, you know, it's. Uh, and depending how game five goes, I think if game five goes where you're, if the Blues like late goal, like kind of like ex- what the Blues did in Winnipeg, where they got that fifth goal, fifteen seconds left, and came back in the third and won that game five, and it just demoralized yeah. Winnipeg, and uh, the Blues just ran rough shot over them in game six and well, won I the series. The difference is going to be if the Blues are going to win it in six, they're going to have to treat game six the way they treated game seven a few years ago and yeah. just obliterate the stars early and, and and beat them down so far that the crowd just gives up in the first period. Because yeah. remember that game seven a few years ago, like eight minutes into the game was over. It was what, yeah, three, two three nothing, two, two or three nothing? Two nothing, and then we had Berglund score that goal late with like thirty seconds left in the first to make it three yeah. nothing, and then it was just—I think it was—I believe it was five nothing before Dallas finally got a goal, and then we got a, a goal at the end, make it six to one to my knowledge. right. So anyway, they're yeah. going to have to do something like that in Game Six. Yeah, so Blues uh, riding high off their first round win in Winnipeg, um, so they get the All Stars we talked about uh, that faced Nashville. So. First game, and the Blues have home ice, too, a little different than they had Correct. in the first round. So it's nice to have uh, home ice for, for a change. And me and you were at this game. so So the Blues did not look great to start this game. No, no. They no. looked a little a little rusty. A little rusty, and they come out. But on their very first shot of the game, Robbie Favre gets his first of the playoffs from Barbashev and Pareko. Goes five-hole on Ben Bishop off kind of a – a uh, nice pass by Barbashev, who was in his zone and kind of sprung Fabry for a uh, quick uh, – he's on the right-hand wing and shot between Ben Bishop's legs. Yep. So, uh, nice goal there. Second period, I think the Blues actually look better, but unfortunately the game gets tied. Yes. So, Jason Spezza gets his first of the year from Klingberg and Zuccarello off kind of a broken play and the puck kept in the zone, which is going to be a theme we're going to talk about here. Yes, it will be. And Klingberg feeds over to Spezza, who kind of doesn't get it all, and that's what throws Biddington off. And Biddington doesn't get the whole, doesn't get the too much of the puck, and it goes in the net. So one to one. But Vladimir Tarasenko as uh, gets his third of the playoffs from Shen and Petrangelo on the power play, believe it or not, yep. breaking uh, Dallas's streak of uh, 15 consecutive uh, power plays bro- uh, killed. They let no power play goals in the first round, which helped them tremendously. Mind you, Nashville's pretty much crap. Then they finished second to last in the, in the uh, regular season I think in so. power play percentage. So, But Vladimir Tarasenko at the 18.03 mark gets the power play goal. And then me and you actually switched seats for this one, and we were actually got a really good view of this one. Vladimir Tarasenko gets his fourth on second of the game unassisted, uh, basically steals the puck and takes it down. It is a power move on the right-hand wing and powers by uh, Mira Heiskanen and gets the goal. Uh, goes high on Ben Bishop, for, uh, forehand, backhand, or backhand, forehand. So three to one. And the Blues looked really good after this. They did. Honest. I mean, I think so. I mean. Really, it was almost 4-1 because right after that, Perron put one off of Ben Bishop's mask that was so loud it sounded like a gunshot in the arena. 
Yeah, me and you were at that end at this time, and it was it was it felt like I mean, me and you have played before when you I've had a couple of ring off my mask, and it's been very loud. Yeah. Um, and that man, we were we were that we weren't we were at the I would say middle of the lower bowl, if not yeah. a little bit higher. And man, it was loud. Uh, I mean, it looked it like you hit him square between the eyes. Yeah. And the Blues, unfortunately, near the end here, uh, let in a power play goal of Jamie Ben uh, from Rope Hints. The 1743 mark to make it a little interesting at the end. But the Blues hang on for a three, uh, excuse me, three to two win in game one. So the Blues go up one nothing. Yep. Uh, and you can tell just by this game and uh, the Blues, this is going to be a tough series. I agree. So I, you kind of knew from that game. I never, I didn't think it'd be they'd be uh, they roll over Dallas at all. But I also maybe I, I, I'll be honest, maybe I discounted Dallas a little too much. Oh, Dallas scared me. Um, I think honestly, Dallas scared me more than than uh, Nashville did. I prefer Nashville over them because I think we just play them better. I agree. But uh, just so we'll do a quick update on uh, out of town scoreboard. Boston has just scored to pull ahead three to one in Columbus to potentially tie their series at two. Correct. So, so let's see what else we're we looking at. So game two. Uh, comes back. Ben Bishop, after a loss, has played really well. Has almost a 95 save percentage. That's going to be a theme. Yeah. Uh, Blue Star well again. Vladimir Tarasenko gets his fifth of the playoffs, his third consecutive goal for the Blues from Dunn and O'Reilly on the power play. Uh, just walks in. That seems to be his spot after on the point and carries the puck in and just rifles a shot. Yeah. So 502 into the first. The Blues are up one nothing. But this is where. Kind of the wheels fall off. Jason Dickinson gets his third of the uh, playoffs from Sagan and Zuccarello with 11.23 mark. And then Spezza gets his second from Radulov and Lindell at the 19.08 mark. Correct. And that is on the power play. So things kind of fall apart here in the second period. And the Blues don't play well. Klingberg gets his second of the playoffs from Sagan. Rope Hintz gets his fifth from Ben and Radulov later in the period. So the Blues are down, and I'm reading the wrong game. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. (laughs) I was, like, looking at it. I'm like, why does this sound like game four? Because it is game game four. four. You're right. No, We were were down 2-0 in game two. Yeah, game two was a lot worse. So rewind. (laughs) Because it was the same score. That's why I had it in my – my thing so apologies there so it sounded awful there so game two blues are at home again we'll pretend like the last you know minute and a half didn't happen Perfect. so beginning rope hints gets his third from zuccarello from dickinson mir heiskanen gets his second from hints and zuccarello and not looking great for the blues right now so i think uh the dallas's defense is a little more active this game that is what I noticed from being at this game. I took my dad to this game, and he kept asking me, you know, the, the Blues playing bad. I don't think the Blues were playing bad, but Dallas's defense really stepped up in this game. Like, they yeah. did a phenomenal job of keeping the Blues to the outside, making sure the Blues didn't get set up in the offensive zone. It was a lot of one and done on offense. Um, a lot of the game spent early on in the blues into the ice. Yeah. Uh, I'm as much as uh, Pierre McGuire loves to uh, be all over um, his jock. I, uh, Mira Heiskanen is really good. 
He really is. He is. It's one of those things where like I really liked him, but then the more Pierre Maguire talks about him, I'm like, come on, man. Like he's really good, but there's other guys, A, on Dallas that are pretty good too. And B, it's when Blues were not playing great last night, but at the same time, like, man, he just was all over his jock. Every time he had the puck, he had to say something about him. And I'm just like, come on, man. Give him a break. But is good for 19 years old, hell of a player. And they've now I understand why they refused to trade him uh, when they were uh, apparently in on the Mike Hoffman deal earlier in the last offseason. And that's who they wanted. So I understand why, because he's really good. Blues sneak back into it with Colton Preco. Finally, a goal from the defense. Uh, Colton Preco gets his first of playoffs from O'Reilly and Perron. And right after that. Unfortunately, 30 seconds later. Uh, Janmar gift from Dickinson makes it three to one. So that right there is what I knew we were going to lose the game. Yeah. So you're like, well, let's see what happens. Second period, not much happens. Uh, the Blues make it interesting early in the third. Uh, Jane Schwartz with a deflection right in front of uh, Ben Bishop. Yep. For air from Pareko. Pareko shot from the point, and he just directs it right up and over uh, Bishop. And it was a little confusion on the play because it was in and out so fast. They didn't know if it went in. Uh, but the Blues, uh, it's counted three to two. So the Blues threaten have some a good goal, chances here. A goal which got celebrated three times in the arena. Really? Oh yeah, because it was almost called off, and then like it was debated by the NHL first to see if it was a goal. Then they called it a goal, and then Dallas challenged goal interference, which I didn't understand that at all. Me neither. Because he wasn't even close to him. It was their own defenseman who was actually closer. Yeah. Uh, and then once again, the blues got it. Uh, ben Bishop had a really good play where the puck bounced off the boards and hit his pad and almost went in. So he had to come sprawling back. The blues nearly tied it, but unfortunately, uh, Rope Hints gets his fourth of the playoffs from Ben. It's 1957 mark and the blues lose four to two. And Dallas ties it up at one as we go back to Dallas. Yep. So, Dallas steals home ice. Yep. So, um, that's the thing with me, like home ice this year for the Blues. Like they've they've been undefeated on the road so far going into this series. Obviously, three wins in my I think one of the toughest buildings in the NHL. Agreed. So um, I think that's a good thing going into it. I mean, really, to me, you only want home ice advantage, and that's for one reason, and that is if it gets to Game Seven. You yeah. want Game Seven in your house. Correct. So Game Three rolls around and. Uh, a wild finish, to say the least, during this game. So, Jane Schwartz starts <laughs> off scoring again, his sixth of the year, at the minute uh, first minute 27 in. So, good start for the Blues. But unfortunately, Radulov gets the goal later on to tie it on the power play, which broken coverage, and this one pissed me off. A lot of these goals pissed me off this game because there's a lot of broken coverages on this and yes. very preventable goals. Um, lack of clearing... The puck, I, I mean, that's what that was two of them on this one. It was a lack of clearing the puck when the Blues were our shorthanded, and then they turned it over, and bad coverage by, I want to say, uh, Bo Meester was on the, this one, and Spezza uh, got the puck over to Radulov, who got the goal. But the Blues sneak back into it. Probably the best line in this series so far has been the third line of Bozak, Maroon, and Thomas. Without especially, a doubt. Especially Robert Thomas in game four, who was hands, you know, 
hands down the best player on the Blues that game. Without a doubt. Yeah. Bozak, though, gets the second from Thomas and Dunn. Thomas actually is the one who had the shot, and it just trickled underneath Ben Bishop, and Tyler Bozak's able to knock it by Ben Bishop. But unfortunately, this is the goal that killed me. Just killed me. Andrew Cogliano gets the second of the year, or second of the playoffs from Janmark on a shorthanded goal. Bad pass at the point, and Dunn has to get back. Janmark has the puck and feeds it across, and it's saved by, by Bennington. And then it's caught in between Dunn's legs, who's just trying to play defense. I don't know. It was a bad slide, I think. And the puck's between his legs, and he had no idea where it was at. And Cogliones knocks it by. And right there, I was like, I think I text you. And I was like, I was like, this one's over. Yeah, I think you, you that, that one kind of broke you a little bit. It killed me because I'm just like, of course that happens. We get a power play, and this is the what's the goal? Like, hey, get a power play goal here, seal it three to one, and you're set because you only have about six minutes, you know, seven or eight minutes left. You can break their backs and seal this game. But I'll be honest, and mind you, one of the craziest last seven minutes of a game in a playoffs in quite some time for the Blues considering how back and forth this was. So the Blues still doing well, keeping offensive zone pressure. And after Petrangelo gets his first year from Bo Meester and Schwartz, mind you, he hit the post on the power play after the shorthanded goal. Yes. And he comes back with a uh, nice play by, by Schwartz, keep it in, and Bo Meester feeds it across to Petrangelo, who one times it past Ben Bishop. And then this play. Tyler Sagan gets his third from Heiskanen and Zuccarellis. This is Sagan's first goal of the series. And just a pass where nobody had their sticks in the lanes. And Heiskanen gets it right over to Sagan. And Carl Gunnarsson was doing a 360 spin and just couldn't keep a body on Sagan, which I don't understand. And Sagan has a wide open net with Benenton playing the shot. So three to three. And I literally just, I collapsed again. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like this. I like this team. I think my exact text was you was like this effing team. Yep. But, but before we get into the last goal, let's go by rewind and talk about what happened in the second period with Robert Bortuzzo and Essa Lindell. <laughs> yeah. So Blues were shorthanded at the time, and behind the net there was a scrum. Uh, Bortuzzo is pushing the slash we'll say cross-checking Lindell for playoff standards. It wasn't bad. No, it wasn't, but it was, it was a penalty. So he pushed him down the one time and he kind of fall, he falls down and Portuzo keeps pointing to him. Like, come on, he are going to, he's like, are you going to, are you watching him dive? Then he cross checks him a little harder the next time. And he goes down. I'm like, come on. He's, I'm like, you're going to get called. You do it again. You're going to get called. And then he just lightly pushes the, the third one's what killed me. The, the third one looked like he got shot. Yeah, yeah, okay. The second one was the light kind of cr- like cross check where he barely pushed on him and he went, he got flopped. And that's the one I'm like, you better call embellishment if you're going to call Bortuzzo for a cross check. Yeah. Then that's when they blew the whistle. And that's what he called the penalty on was the second one, which is crazy. It was just funny to me. But at the time, he was getting them both for – he called them both, cross check and embellishment on the second cross check. It wasn't the third one. Bortuzzo got that in there for free. That's when Lindell tried to smile at him and say, like, oh, I got you. And Bortuzzo cross-checked him. And it was – I don't think it was in the face. I don't, no, it the wasn't face. in it was the a, face. It was, it was in the chest. chest. It was in the chest. And Lindell looked like uh, 
he was a JFK and he got it back into the left. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he got straight left. up shot. Yeah. I mean, it was, he just went flying down and the crowd goes insane and they're screaming for a penalty. And then, uh, let's just say a lot of, uh, I was very surprised, honestly, at the amount of people who took Bortuzzo's side. I kind of just considering with the way the, you know, fighting stances are nowadays where right. people are kind of like, you know, trying to get fighting out of the grain game and dangerous plays out of the game. And, you know, the third one was a better, was probably the worst cross check of the three that happened in the whole sequence. But a lot of people were all over Esselindale, like saying how bad of a dive it was. Oh, it was terrible. And the thing is that comes into play at the end of the game. Yeah, and that's why I was rewind before I get into last game. So we re- so we go fast forward back to where we were, tied at three three, and I legit said two minutes left. All right, boys, just keep the pressure on, and then maybe we'll get some momentum going into the overtime. I honestly was uh, almost got up, almost similar to what I did in the Jane Schwartz goal in the uh, game five in uh, Winnipeg. I got up, went to go get a drink, and came back, and then I see them like jumping up, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Pat Maroon, excuse me, floor hockey legend Pat Maroon, uh, uh, gets his second of the year from Bo Meester and Bozak. Bo Meester keeps the puck in, throws it behind the net to Maroon, who pushed down Essa Lindell. And Lindell went down pretty easy again. It was and the there was fourth no call. Of the night. And then it makes the Blues fourth goal of the night. And he puts it right between Bishop's body and under his arm, basically, in blocker. And gets the goal, and the Blues go ahead to eighteen twenty-two mark, and they hold on to win this one. A wild, wild finish. Last seven minutes were pretty insane. Which you thought was going to be a two-to-one game winds up being a four-to-three finish. And here's here's the thing: is that I think had Lindell not in, dove three times on Bortuzzo, that might have been called. It might have been called against uh, against Maroon. But when you've done that three times in a row they're going to be watching you. They're going to know what you do. And again, it's not like Maroon hit him that hard, but he went straight down like a ton of bricks again. And I think if I'm the ref, I'm sure the ref was like, just get your ass up and play hockey. Yeah. It's very interesting on how that kind of went compared to the fourth game where uh, I'll point out the Bozak screening penalty. Yeah. That was, that was a little odd to me. There was a lot of penalties that are very ticky tacky in the third, in the fourth game, which I was like, Okay, and then that's why I, one of the reasons why I think things got out of hand in the second period. Uh, the Blues also lost their composure. Yes, yes, they so did. We, so we talked about this. Tarasenko scores to start in game four. Tarasenko starts. Dickinson and Spezza get the goals to pull ahead. The Blues are down four to one after two. Uh, when the second period ends, uh, there was a sequence where I'll flat out say it. Perron made a pretty pretty dirty play. Yeah, I was kind of shocked by that to be honest. Going behind the net, and it wasn't like he was going for the puck because he slashed Ben Bishop in his back. Yeah, puck straight between close. the shoulder blades. Yeah, and mind you, Bishop went down like a ton of bricks. And well, I play, look, I, I, I play a lot goal, of people. man. Like, there's might be a little padding there, but it hurts right there. But come on, man. Here's what here's what I will say in defense of Bishop. If you're a goalie, number one, you're not anticipating getting hit ever. Secondly, as if you've ever been hit in the back and blindsided, you always react crazy because you don't see it coming. 
you have no way to brace for it. You have no way to anticipate it. So I don't think it was embellishment. I think it was, A, how that hurt, and B, a little bit of what the hell was that? Maybe. Like I said, I think I think it was a little, uh, mind you, I think Parancha got a penalty. I'm surprised he didn't. It is weird how like how ticky tacky it was, and then all of a sudden that was the one that let go. I was yeah. like, all right, well, well, and I think cool. I I immediately sent all of us in our group a message, and I was like, one of two things is about to happen: either somebody's going to murder David Perron, or somebody's going to take a run at Jordan Bennington. And on cue, uh, Jamie Ben gives a uh, Jordan Bennington a little stick after the final horn in the second period, so Bennington decides to. Uh, Give a nice little shot to the face. Uh, with his blocker, right? With his blocker, blocker or glove, whatever exactly here. And a um, little scrum ensues and Bishop skates off. Mind you, this is the first time I think we've ever seen Jordan Benton kind of lose his composure. Agreed. Um, decides to go to Bishop and give him a nice little slash on his way out. Which Which I don't understand that at all. uh, I don't know, man. It's one of those where I guess maybe he saw him do the whole flop or whatever. And saying, like, if you want a slash to go down on, maybe this is the slash they were talking. I don't know, man. It And he got it. So, yeah, unsportsmanlike conduct and a roughing penalty all in – or, excuse me, a slashing and an, and a roughing penalty. So, the uh, all in the same place. So the Blues – and the way the rule works, that it has to be served by two guys who are on the ice. So, Tyler Bozak and Jay Bomeister both go to the box – along with Jamie Benz, the Blues are on a shorthanded going into the third period when they need to score a bunch of goals here to get back into this. Correct. They did get one because the guy was literally the best player on the Blues that night. Robert Thomas was noticeable no matter when he had the puck that game. I agree. It was back-checking, making offensive zone pressure, or even this goal was a really good shot, too. Yeah. I was so happy. So happy to see him get rewarded with the goal. So as as one as one of our friends, Mike calls him Bobby Tommy, gets his uh first of the playoff, first career Stanley Cup playoff, first of many, let's hope, from Petrangelo and O'Reilly at the thirteen forty four mark. Mind you, the Blues looked a lot better in his third. They did not look like they. This kind of reminded me of the Winnipeg game, uh, game five, where they, they have just looked, looked great in every third period. I just wish that we could look that good in the first and second too. Yeah, it's just putting a like we mostly tell me if you heard this before a, a complete sixty together. Uh, yeah, yeah. I so, tell uh, you, man. Like, here's the thing: is you knew Ben Bishop was going to have a comeback game. He did it in game two. You knew he was going to have a comeback in game four because he didn't have a real good game in game three. But yeah. the Blues had great opportunities in that third period, and Bishop stopped a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, the goal we got, I believe, was a goal scored when Bishop lost a stick. Correct, and that's when Thomas went blocker side on that too. Right, but um, this team has got to start putting a full sixty together because as we as they have shown, this team could dominate this opponent. They can dominate the Stars. They've just got to do it from start to finish. Yep. And it's a matter, uh, like you said, now it becomes the best of three, and the Blues have home ice, technically, if you don't look at it that way. The uh, best out of three, they have to win two out of the next three. So they have home, it'll be Friday, May 3rd, 
uh, be 8 30 at night once again, which is killing me. I know. Then Sunday at two o'clock. Margaritas. Uh, yeah, so uh, Cinco de Mayo slash the day of the day after Star Wars Day or Revenge of the Fifth, I guess you want to call it. So many right. other Star Wars fans out there. And then if they has to go to Game Seven and Beyond, May seventh on Tuesday, a time to be determined. So, like we it's said, the Blues can definitely. It's going to be eight thirty. Well, depends on how their series go. Well, True. and we'll talk about that super quick. That um, one very surprising series, and it looks like uh, the rest are going to be close to being tied up two to two, one pending. Uh, they play tonight, San Jose and Colorado, or two. To, it's two to one, San Jose, and they play tonight. We're recording on uh, the second round, where so right yeah. as the game just starts for them. Uh, let's see, and the Bruins game is final, four to one. And they officially have tied their series up against the with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the other very surprising results out east, Carolina. I mean, On I don't fire. know if you watched any of this game last night. Oh, I did. H- how dominating did they look in the third period? They look amazing. Well, and after especially after Williams got the goal to pull ahead, it was yeah. just man, the um, Islanders just couldn't even get into the offensive zone. It was they were just all over them. It was ridiculous, and the crowd there was going nuts. Um, good for the Hurricanes, man. Oh, they're up three zero, and they're looking like they're going to move on to the conference finals, which is insane considering how bad that team has been for a long time. So, first uh, first playoff appearance in eleven years. Uh, yeah, I think ten. Yeah, ten years, ten or eleven years. So, insane. So good for them. So right now, uh, we'll see how the Colorado series turns out. I don't know. So the, the blue out of that series, uh, both teams are really good. Colorado kind of reminds me of Dallas. San Jose I, is one of those where I think they're a tough opponent, but for some reason I feel like we match up better. I don't know why, but uh, I really you know Colorado. Know. I like Cal- I don't know. They're both a good team. Everybody's a good team, man. That's my. You're at this point of the season where everybody's going to be a really good team. Correct. Or everybody's or somebody's going to be in a hot streak or whoever. That's the Blues have done very well against Ben Bishop, better than I thought they would. They've gotten yes. a lot of goals, more goals than I thought they would against him. They need to uh, keep doing what they're doing because I think it's working. They, uh, they need to get away from the stupid, petty crap they were pulling at the end of the second period with Biddington. I agree. That's, what, that's exactly what Winnipeg did, and guess what? They're not around anymore. Go back to what you're doing, just cycling and frustrating them that way, and start getting some goals. Get in and pay the price, get in front of the net, and I think that's the recipe for success. And score more goals in Dallas in a game. So that's usually what happens when you win. It, it helps to do that. If you're going to win, it helps to score more goals. Yeah, so that's usually it. So um, we kind of briefly talk about the other series. Uh, I just wanted to talk about one little article that came up on ESPN today that I thought was a little interesting. So I'll get your opinion, Chris. I don't know if you saw this. So let's talk about the uh, women's hockey stars boycott their pro leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the more and more popular women, including. Uh, Hillary Knight, uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, who is one of the commentators who commentated on the Blues game Correct. Uh, last game, they've announced they're not going to be playing any professional league next year because they said they cannot maintain a sustainable living playing in the current state of professional uh, game. They're fortunate to be in their statement. Basically, I'll read the first paragraph. We are fortunate to be ambassadors of this game and that we revere so deeply. And yet more than ever, we understand the responsibility that comes with being that ambassadorship to leave this game in a better shape than it was when it entered. 
That is why we come together. We're 200 players strong to say it's time to create a sustainable professional league for women. Um, I believe I read it later in this article saying that they barely made $2,000 and they can't even pay their rent for where they're staying at. I'm assuming that means $2,000 a month. Uh, that is, I, that's all the number I got so far. The I mean, the NHL is give, gave $50,000 in annual contributions to, at the time, this, this Canadian's women hop. Women's Hockey League, right, and also the uh, the National Women's Hockey League as well. Um, but now they're giving a hundred thousand dollars to the National Women's since the Canadian one folded due to lack of funding. Um, I get it's a tough sell compared to something like right now. They kind of like what the women's soccer is going through as well. They uh, they threw they kind of said, hey, like you know we're you know. We made more money than the men's team last year, and yet we're relegated to not great TV time, and we don't get paid. We get paid by I think it was like forty-five percent less than the men. Sure, uh, it's something some ridiculous number. So I see what they're saying, and I think um, they definitely deserve to get play be paid more. So let's hope that the, my thing is I think the NHL needs to get more behind this than fifty thousand dollars. Well, uh, look, I yes. Short answer is yes, that, that sounds great. But at the end of the day, you need to look at their books and see what attendance is. You know, if, if one team's drawn well, but I, and how many teams are in the league? I'd have to do all the research. All the research. Let's, say, did, let's just for round numbers say there's 20 teams. If one team is drawn well and 19 aren't, that's a problem. Um, you know, it, this is the problem with pro sports. It is a revenue-driven league, and you could be as phenomenal as anyone else in the world, but if you or your team or your league can't find a way to monetize that talent and sell it, then it's worthless. You know what I mean? I got you. It's it's the same reason why – you know, hockey back in the day had to go to a hard salary cap because, you know, hockey players were trying to say that they should get paid as much as baseball and football and basketball players. And on, on you know, there's a, there is relevance to that argument until you look at the books. And if your league isn't bringing in the revenue of the NFL – or the or Major League Baseball or the NBA, then you can't afford to pay your players that much. You can pay your players that much, but then your league is going to fold because it won't have the money to cover operating expenses. It's the KHL. It's the whole thing with them. When the KHL was offering players ridiculous amounts of money, and then you have teams that die because they're operating airplanes that shouldn't be flying. So yeah. I I sympathize with the women. I do. I do think they should be getting paid more, but without knowing what the revenue they're generating is, it's hard for me to go, yeah, go women, boycott, yeah. Because Here, okay, go ahead and finish. It, it it may not like the league may just not justify it. I don't think they're trying to treat them as slave labor. They just, honest to God, may not have a lot of resources. 
Yeah, I agree. Like, I think like one of those things where the WNBA is one of those things that's still kind of relegated to the and they're a like, successful side. league. And they and they and they've got and they've actually it took them a while, but they've had some teams move around quite a bit right. because they just didn't have. And you see some of the games when they shut show on TV, and there's not that many people there. Right. Uh, but so just some of the things in the article, real quick. The All Star Game for the NWHL drew 6,200 people. Okay. Which is the largest? Which is the largest crowd for Provence Hockey United States? Great. Uh, and combined with the Skills Challenge and the All Star Game, uh, was one million views on Twitter. Uh, also, Great. also their first expansion team was in Minnesota. They're called the Minnesota Whitecaps. They sold out every home game, and that that rink had a capacity of twelve hundred people. Mind you, it's Minnesota, which is a very hockey state. I get it there. Yeah, but still, it's a sellout. Correct. If you sell so, all your tickets, sell all your tickets. That's fantastic. And their salary cap is $100,000 per team. That's Maybe not a lot that, of money. And then it says the lowest paid players make $2,500 for the season. And uh, Coyne, Schofield, wow. Coyne Schofield said that she she commuted between Los Angeles and Minnesota because of the – she said one aspect was the pay because she just couldn't afford to buy a place and stay there. It was cheaper to commute. Understood. So – well, it's something you know need to, I think they, like you said, I think they need to break something open, figure out how to a generate more money, b make sure your players are taken care of so they can make this a, like a more of a living than just like a side gig. I agree. You know, and it's I'm not saying that it's not possible, but I guess the businessman side of me looks at it and goes. No one's forcing you to play hockey as your job. You oh, I, I agree. I, I agree to it. I agree to that. It's, and it's like, it's, there's no reason to suffer thing. for it. Well, agreed. I, I totally agree. I I look at this in the same way as like, um, you know, anytime that there's a strike or anytime, you know, someone, you know, gets thrown out or has a suspension or, what was there was one a couple years ago. I don't remember if it was Johnny Football or who it was, uh, but was crying collusion. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's uh, uh, Kaepernick. Henry? Yeah, yeah, with collusion and like, is there some collusion? Possibly, but it's not your right to play football. You know, it is or hockey or basketball or anything else like. Just because you can do it really well doesn't necessitate that this is what you have to do with your life. And if it's what you want to do, then do it. But understand what that profession pays and what it doesn't. If you can live off of what it pays, great. If you can't, then either A, get a supplemental job or hang up the skates. And mm. I I feel for the women. I do. But at the end of the day, the money's either being generated or it's not. And like I said before, I don't care how good you are at something. If there's not a way to turn that into dollars and cents, then it's worthless. Yeah, I, I agree to a degree on that. But at the same time, you know, if it's something that you, like you said, bro, let's go back to this, the Kaepernick thing real quick. If that's this thing that you are really good at, <laughs> and then people are making you. That's a different scenario compared to this women thing, so I'm not going to get too much. It's a very different scenario. But I'm just saying, like, it's like if you're really good at somebody who's, like, basically not letting you do it, that's almost like my job. It's like, well, I'm really good at accounting. 
but then nobody's let me be an accountant. So then I got to figure out what else I can do with those skills to move on. And that might not be, that might not translate into something else that would help me provide for my family. Mind you, we're talking about millions of dollars compared to what I make and stuff. It's a completely different thing. Look, here's where I'll loop it back around is that in the case of these women and Kaepernick and, and anybody else who's a pro athlete, if that avenue for you to make money using your athletic ability dries up, however it dries up, being your league folds or you get fired from your team and no other team wants to pick you up or whatever, dude, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, but it's, you know, there's only so many places where you can do that profession. And, you know, if, if that goes away, then you need to find a new way to make a living. And if that means you go back to school and learn a new skill that's more marketable, then so be it. You know, dude, if people if music went away tomorrow, I don't get to stand around and go, well, but this is all I know how to do. All I know how to do is promote records. All I don't know how to do is promote bands. If that's no longer a thing that's that's live or available for me, you know, if 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 I get fired tomorrow and I can't get a job at another record label or another management company, what am I going to do? Stand around and go, well, but I should I should be able to do this. I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. I can be really good at something. If no one wants to pay me for it, it doesn't mean jack shit. And then that's that's kind of where I'm at. Is like I feel for these women. Yeah, you should be getting paid more than two thousand dollars a year. I totally agree. I might be the world's best juggler. I could say that's worth whatever it is. But if I sell tickets to to have people watch me juggle, and no one buys a ticket, that skill's not worth anything. And that's kind of where it is with this league, like. Well, they just have to figure out. Well, and the thing is, they are making a stand, and I think that's the thing we're overlooking to a degree. I think they're going out and they're making a statement saying, "Hey, we're just not going to play to bring eyes to it." Here's my problem with that: they're not a developed enough league right now. If if you went, Jason, let's you and I go to Minnesota this year, and we'll go see an Ice Caps game, and I'll guarantee you, we're going to have no idea who the people who are strike busters are and who the people who are on strike are. And that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem. I, not, I agree with that. And I think it, that's, I think, but I think also if a can just, for example, what's another example, the, the football game, the football league that just folded. Right. They, they had literally very few marketable players and they wanted to use it as a feeding thing to NFL. And you know what the NFL said? We don't, we don't care. We have our thing. We're making money. So guess what? Without somebody helping them market and helping them do something, and they just, you know, with the market being at least dominated by the NFL, they didn't, right. they couldn't go anywhere. They didn't make it a full season, which is one of the reasons why I really think the XFL is going to have have the same fucking problem. It could, it, it very well could. I and that's a whole conversation for a different podcast. I am shocked that they wouldn't. Uh, the only market they went into that didn't already have an NFL team is St. Louis. I'm surprised. Um, the difference being, I think, with when it comes to football versus this is, and I'm not saying it's right because it's not right, it is just easier to market men's sports. 
Yeah, and that's I'll be 100. I agree with that, and I, that's why I say the NHL needs to do more than like, hey, here's some cash, guys, use this cash. You know what they need out. to do is that because I'm not saying like throw it all over partner, the place. They should find a way to get a partnership with the WNBA or something. Something that they can do cross promotion. You just need to do, try to get as many eyes on your product as possible. Agreed. And, and I you've think already honestly, got the, you've already good. got women watching the WNBA, so you need to try to get some of that audience too and share it. That's where your audience is. Your audience isn't in the NHL. I mean, maybe some of it, but I think you need to partner with the NHL, which you've already they're already trying to do, and you need to talk to the WNBA. I, like I said, I think they just do something to get more eyes on it, and I think honestly. Uh, the coming out with this statement, I think, has done that to a degree. I think that's going to be something that's going to put eyes on it, and I also get, get, the, get the league to maybe look at different avenues to help the players out because it's not a good look for them. It's not, but you know, if the money again, it all comes down to money, man. And if the money's not there, the money's not there. Yep. So we'll see how that uh, happens for this year. Without any of their marketable players, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be even harder for that league unless they decide Agreed. to uh, pony up the money and revamp some stuff. I so, agree. anyway, wrapping it back around to why we're here, the Blues, two to two. Blues play tomorrow at once again eight thirty. Um, another tough game, but I think at home, I think the I think them getting not destroyed, but kind of getting them their asses handed to them. Is going to be a wake up call. They had a they swapped out earlier and put Bortuzzo in to yep. wake th- to freshen things up and took Edmondson out, which I thought was a surprise. Yeah, I honestly, Bo Meester probably had his worst game in a long time. I agree. In game four, I agree. I think you take out you you have Bo Meester if he gets back to playing better. I think O'Reilly. We haven't really talked about this. I think Ryan O'Reilly's hurt. In my Could opinion, be. Could be. he is a uh, his faceoff percentage against Tyler Sagan is thirty three percent right now. He's yeah. almost 20-something percent lower than he normally is. Um, I don't know if he's hurt or if he's, he took a lot of punishment or he's had a lot of uh, tough minutes in the playoffs, so I don't know if they're adding up to him or what. Um, hopefully he can get back. We get him back at least somewhat dominant, back to where he was. That would be nice. He, the, him stepping up would be great. Bennington, I think, has been – we can talk about it. I mean, he's had some great saves, but he's been okay. He yes. hasn't. Um, he was so good in that first round. I just think, uh, you know, maybe not taking it for granted per se, but the Blues just haven't had that kind of like after a big save, they haven't got down. They got that big goal to pick it, to pick things up. So they did in game three. So maybe if they get back to that kind of game, uh, I think they can definitely. I still, I still fully believe they can win the series. As down as that game four was, I think they can definitely win the series. So. Hopefully by the next time we come to you, we'll be talking about a Blues series win and uh, talking about who they'll be playing in the next round. So uh, I'll wrap it up there. And if you want to get hold of us on Twitter, it'll be at Blues Hockey NHL. Chris is at? At Hossapalooza. And you also want to find us on Facebook and Instagram is Blues Hockey Podcast. And also on our website, blueshockeypodcast.net and .com. Uh, find the podcast also in all your favorite uh, podcast directories. That includes Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And last but not least, because I forget to mention it all the time and have a big sticky note right in front of my face, 
is do not forget to get into our contest. We extended our contest to win another one of our sweet blue shirts that I'm wearing right now. Um, go to Instagram. You'll see how to win. Just uh, find the picture. It should be uh, on our profile. I'll, I think I put it back out there again. So follow the link. It's also on Facebook and Twitter, the link is. So you just go to one of those. And you'll find <laughs> the link. It should be pinned to the top of the Twitter and I believe on the Facebook as well. So enter the contest, and hopefully we don't have to pick a winner for a long time because I'm going to pick it at the end of the playoffs. Hopefully we won't pick it in winter till June, I'm hoping. That'd be nice. Yeah. So uh, I believe you will be at the next game, if I, am I correct? I will. I'll be there tomorrow night. All right. So hopefully, uh, let's see, well, predictions for – let's see, towels tomorrow. Your prediction for the towel. I've not seen it online, so I can't – so I had no uh, – I don't know what they're waiting for. You got to think they're going to put a Bennington one out soon. I would say Bennington and Maroon is my two. My two guys. Ooh, that's a strong one. Maroon is probably. I'm going to say Maroon. I'm going to go with Maroon. Yeah, I think Maroon and maybe Bennington after that. So I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know why they're waiting on Bennington, man. I really thought the first round was going to be O'Reilly and Shen. I knew would be the first two. Yep. I really thought it was going to be O'Reilly, Shen, Bennington. Yep, and then want to be in Peron. So our Peron was game. Uh, it was game five. Game five, yeah. So uh, anyway, so all right, we'll, we'll, game, we'll game see six, you. rather game six. Yeah, game six, yeah, and then uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So hopefully the Blues can uh, pull ahead and uh, win this series. So all right, we'll be uh, we'll be talking to you guys next time. See ya. Nervous? 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 Nervous?